ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان فمن شهد منكم الشهر فليصمه ومن كان مريضا أو على سفر فعدة من أيام أخر يريد الله بكم اليسر ولا يريد بكم العسر ولتكملوا العدة ولتكبروا الله على ما هداكم ولعلكم تشكرون اللهم اجعلنا من الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين Last week I shared a couple of uh, contemplations for what can help myself and all of you make the most of Ramadan and I intended to share five of them but I got to about two of them so my intention is to try and continue that conversation because as we are in the middle of Ramadan it's easy to lose sight of what we're doing uh, the physical exhaustion, the daily routine these things, they tend to make you lose sight of the bigger picture. This happens, it's a human tendency. When you're uh, working towards something, then the day-to-day -day tasks, you're so focused on them that you, you kind of forget the vision for which you are working towards, right? And in the, in the business world, companies, they always have these retreats and these seminars or whatever for their employees because when they get too involved in the daily grind, they lose, they're not, they're not motivated anymore because they're, they're not excited about what's coming into the future because they're too worried about the next task that has to be finished in the next hour or the thing that has to get done by this week or that week, etc. right? So our deen, because it has rituals that are repeated, like the prayers are five times a day or the fasting is continuous 30 days, you're just, you know, if you, even somewhere in the back of your head, if you and I get stuck in how many days is it left and how, what, what time is iftar? And how many hours are left? We're just, we're, we're so caught up in the micro that we lose sight of the bigger picture. And then the spirit and the purpose, the beauty of the whole thing is lost, right? So that's one of the things that the Quran does. It doesn't just tell us fast. You know, it, all, it doesn't just, Allah doesn't just give us rules. He keeps giving us the vision, the purpose, the mindset behind those rules. So we always, even if we're doing the smallest thing, it's a big deal mentally. It's a big deal psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. And that's one of the great, in, incredible gifts of the Qur'an, that it's not just a rule book. It's not just a history book. It's a book of mindset. This is why Allah keeps emphasizing, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So that you can think, so that you can contemplate. So we're, we're supposed to be really mindful in all of the acts of worship, and especially this profound month, the month in, in which the Qur'an was given to us. So the next contemplation that I want to highlight uh, are two things together. There are two phrases that I, I want to help us remind ourselves of the connection between them. They're both found inside the ayah of Ramadan. Firstly, Allah says, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ 
Allah wants ease for you and Allah does not want difficulty for you. Okay, or He does not want difficulty for you. Uh, and then on top of that, He says, So that you can complete the count and you can declare Allah's greatness based on how He guided you. So those are the two phrases that I want to try and connect with each other. Just a couple of short reminders about each of these phrases. Before Allah revealed the fasting of the month of Ramadan, uh, fasting used to be just a couple of days. ma'dudat, A handful of days. The, the narrations tell us just the middle three days of the month and that's it. Right? So it wasn't, it wasn't and even that was optional. So who, whoever could do it, can do it. Whoever wants to give sadaqah, they can give sadaqah. It was actually much easier. And then Allah revealed, not only do we have to fast an entire month, we have to do it consecutively. Right? And then if you miss any, you have to make it up. So the, the, the rules regarding fasting, in a sense, they got tougher. It's also important to note historically that when the ayat of Ramadan were revealed, Muslims were gearing up for the battle of Badr. So it wasn't an easy time. Right? You would think, oh, Ramadan, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take time off from work, take time off from all the other responsibilities so I can chill and have an easy Ramadan. This was one of the hardest years in the life of Muslims, in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, because they've just barely even set, set up in Medina, and on top of that, now the enemy is coming at them with full force. So they're preparing for battle, and they're going to go into the battlefield, actually, it's going to be forced on them during this month. So they are in the intense, most difficult time of their lives in a sense. And on top of that is the condition of Ramadan. The word Ramadan also, you know, shiddatul har, you know, they say, that this, uh, the, the, in the Arabic language, the word Ramadan comes from intense heat because they associate it with extremely hot temperature. So what I'm trying to set is a scene of extreme difficulty when the Muslims first experienced Ramadan. And in the middle of that, Allah told them, and then by an echo told all of us forever, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ yusr. Allah wants ease for you. Allah doesn't want difficulty for you. Somebody could have said, if you wanted ease for us, it could have been, Ramadan could have been just one weekend, it would have been easier, right? Or if I, if I can't make it, if I can't fast in Ramadan, I could just feed one person, you know, and that would be good enough to make it up, and that's good enough. That would have been a lot easier. How come Allah is saying, He just made it harder, and then He said He wants ease for you, and He doesn't want difficulty for you. So the first thing I want to do is take a couple of minutes and help us understand that. How come Allah said that? How come He did that for us? See, the thing is, Allah has a sunnah. And He says, وَلَن تَجِدَ لِسُنَّةِ اللَّهِ تَبْدِيلًا You cannot find a change in the way Allah does things. Allah has a, has a way of doing things. And the, uh, He's created a pattern, a fitrah, for this life, for us. And in that fitrah, there are some principles. Easy principles that even Muslim, non-Muslim, everybody understands is gravity is a principle. If I take my phone and let it go, it's going to drop to the ground. It's a principle. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to drive recklessly and I'm not going to look both ways or not check my rear view mirror, I'm going to crash into something. It's a principle. You can't break the rule. If, you, if I set fire on something, it's going to burn. It's a principle. The same way there are spiritual principles and there are life principles. And one of those life principles is you have to go through difficulty to get to ease. So, for example, once you have a job, life will get easier. But to get to the job, you have to go through a tough education. And you have to go through some hard work before you can get to the job. You know, enjoying the, the crop is easy. But to get to the point where the, the farm is ready, you have to do a lot of labor on the land for the whole year before you get to the crop. You know, 
So, you know, uh, everything that's worth it, everything that brings about joy, success, ease in this life, it is, it's not free. You have to go through a pathway of difficulty to get to it. That's just how life is. And if you choose to live easy now, so if somebody says, I, I don't want to study, man, I just want to take it easy at school, right? They don't want to study. They want to skip classes, which is the easy route. Well, if you choose ease now, you're guaranteed difficulty in the future. That's just the rule. If you, you want ease, you got to go accept difficulty, embrace it, deal with it, develop a tough mindset so you can get ease down the road. And Allah instills that into us, especially in the month of Ramadan. This may be difficult, it may be challenging. Physically, your body's not used to depriving itself from nutrition for this many hours. It's not like you're on a different work schedule. You still have, maybe some people even have more responsibilities in Ramadan than outside of it, right? There are people that, you know, they go to the office and like, I got to have my coffee. I can't, I can't think straight. I, and these are the same people that are now, they haven't had coffee for a long time. And they're still functioning. They're still surviving. So it is, it's not easy. But one meaning of that is, miraculously, Allah makes this month easier. Like fasting in this month is easier than any other time of the year. For those of you that fast outside of Ramadan, if you fast a week after Ramadan, two, three, four days after Ramadan, if you fast, you can, I can guarantee you the energy, the momentum, the capability you have during Ramadan is not going to be the same outside of Ramadan. Allah has put something special inside of it. But the other thing that Allah is doing here very beautifully is that Allah is teaching you and me that it might seem like this is hard, but I'm preparing you for ease down the road in your life. So the question then becomes, what is that ease? I gave you the example of a student who's working hard, going through difficulty, and he's going to have the ease of having a nice job. He's going to have an ease of, you know, being able to make an income, etc., etc. Right? But that's in the worldly sense. What does Allah mean by the difficulty of this month? And it's actually setting us up for ease down the road. Allah, Allah intends ease for us. Meaning the intention is down the road forever, you should have an easy life. Well, the answer to that perhaps comes from the other phrasing in this ayah, the, the second and third phrasing. And the second phrasing is, So you complete the count. You complete the count. Meaning Allah intends for me to go through this one month training and He wants me to complete it. Now I want you to think about that. Fasting could have been do you know, five days or, or three days every month or two days every month. And in three days every month and 10, 10 months, we're done with 30 fasts. But he, he put them together consecutively, right? You can call this an intensive training program. And when you, when you look at the psychology and the, the development of intensive training, rigorous training programs, you're, uh, when you're put in those kinds of hardcore kinds of programs, they're meant to train you physically, mentally. They're supposed to transform you. That's what the military does, for example. They go through intensive, rigorous training programs, or fire departments do it, or police officers do it. Or, for example, athletes, before their season begins, they have sprint trainings, right, daily. They got to hit it hard to, to be able to make, certain, to make certain progress and transformations. This is something Allah gave us so long ago that if you really want to have ease in your life, you've got to make some changes. And change is a really hard thing to bring into life. Like we keep talking about changing our habits and they don't change, right? So Allah puts something in our life cycle every year where definitely our eating habits, our sleeping habits, 
our, 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 our speaking habits, our social habits, all of them are definitely changed in this month. So we're going through this training program. And by the end of it, we've experienced some level of transformation. We've experienced, we're, we, we were able to make a change. This is really powerful because some people, they start believing about themselves, man, I can never change. I keep talking about changing. I do it for two, three days, and then I give up. Or I, you know, I get started, and then I lose, lose momentum, right? But Allah doesn't let you lose momentum in Ramadan. He says, finish the count. And every one of us is going at it. You could be lazy in everything else, and alhamdulillah, you're still finishing your month of Ramadan. You're still going through it. Whether you're motivated or not, tired or not, you're still going to fast the entire time. You're still going to keep up with your prayers. And this is a remarkable thing. You know, it, it, it proves to you and proves to me that we are capable of going through this. We're capable of it, which means if we're capable through it, of it in the hardest circumstances, which is Ramadan, then keeping up with it outside of it should be way easier. So somebody who was having a hard time praying five times a day, and they said, you know what, in Ramadan, I'm going to make this change. I'm fasting, I'm going to pray five times. They prove to themselves for 30 straight days they can keep up with it, right? which means they formed a, a, a new habit. And they did it under tougher circumstances. They did it under tougher circumstances. So that means after that, it becomes easier for them. Maybe before Ramadan, getting up for prayer was really hard. But now Allah has made that easy for you. You see? So that the, the first phrase is connected to that ease because it is only after training that things get easier. Some of you are into athletic training, you know, or, or sports and things like that. When you first start doing your cardio reps or whatever else, you're running out of steam. You know, you're just, you can't even keep up. You're grabbing your knees, just you're halfway in ruku on the, on the track, you know. But then once you keep up, you're, you're, you're shocked at yourself. You're shocked at how much your stamina has increased. How, how remarkably Allah has created the human body to be able to endure more and more. The, the, the tougher you put it through rigorous exercise, the more discipline you put through it, put it through, the stronger it gets. That's what Allah has done. So the same thing is true of our faith. The more, this, this every fast is actually making us spiritually stronger. Like, you know, you just made a, think of a 1%, half a percent improvement in yourself by one fast. Now it's moved on to 1%, then it's moved on to a percent and a half. You're actually, remarkably, making a change in yourself. Physically, spiritually, taqwa is increasing. It's becoming easier and easier for you to not even think about the food. The first day, oh, it's going to be so hard. Oh my God, I'm so thirsty already. Second day, third day, it's okay, you feel it, but you're not even thinking about it. Because you've developed an endurance. Obeying Allah, despite your discomfort, has become normal. It's become easier. And all of this is towards one ultimate goal. And that, that, that ultimate goal is twofold. On the one side, Allah describes, One of the most beautiful phrases in this ayah. And that's what I really wanted to emphasize today for myself and all of you. So that, Allah says, and this was given to you, so that you can declare Allah's greatness based on how He guided you. So you can declare Allah's greatness based on how He guided you. Now, what in the world does that mean? It means a few things. First of all, declaring Allah's greatness for the Muslim is the phrase, Allahu Akbar, right? That's how we declare Allah's greatness. So, of course, when the month of Ramadan is over, we celebrate by declaring Allah's greatness. And when we're walking to the Eid prayer, we're all 
you know, declaring Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Walillahilhamd. You've done that since childhood. You remember you walk into the prayer, you're talking about how much greater Allah is. But have you ever connected that to what, what does that have to do with Ramadan? All of Ramadan, Allah was greater for you. Allah was greater than your thirst, Allah was greater than your hunger, Allah was greater than your discomfort. You lived Allahu Akbar for 30 days and you graduated and now you get to sell, now those words mean something. Now they have real meaning. So now when you're walking and you're celebrating the words Allahu Akbar, you've demonstrated that in your life, right? So now what Allah is saying is as you are saying that coming out of Ramadan, you, you lived Allahu Akbar in Ramadan and you're coming out of it saying Allahu Akbar. What you're saying is, now that I've proven to myself that I made Allah a greater priority than every, every one of my human needs, I disciplined all of my human needs and made Allah a greater priority, I am now capable to get out of Ramadan and carry on living Allahu Akbar. Because outside of Ramadan, it's way easier. The requirements are way easier. There's, there's way less restriction on what I can eat and what I can do, right? And so... This is actually the ultimate goal of Ramadan, is that we come out of it living Allahu Akbar, actually. Now, what does that have to do with ease? And that's the last thing I'll share with you today. What is, if I, if I do really truly internalize that Allah is greater in my life, then you know what? Some of you guys, you know, you have friends that aren't exactly the best company, not for your faith anyway, right? The way they talk the kinds of words they use or the kinds of things they talk about aren't exactly halal and you cut down on that company and you go, bro, I'm fasting. I can't talk today. I, I can't, I can't. You make excuses, you cut away from that company. You cut away from that environment. And then Ramadan is over and you're like, I got to get back with the bros. You know, it's, it's, it's either, you know, got to get the, get the gang back together. You know, and an uninvited guest, the shaitan, that's going to be part of the party. But the point is, you got to, you got to get back to the normal, right? And when you do that, there's going to be something inside you because of this 30-day, if you did this 30-day training mindfully, if you did it mindfully, something inside you will say, I can't just go back to that. That's, it's, there's something bothering me. Now, if you did 30 days mindlessly, you just went through a diet program and you finished it, and then, then you're going to go back to exactly the way things were. Which is why I'm saying obeying Allah is one thing. Obeying Allah mindfully is a completely different thing. It's a transformative thing. So now you come out of that month and you're like, I need to make some changes with the kind of time I spend and which kinds of people I spend that time with and which kinds of conversations I engage in and what kinds of things occupy my mind, what kinds of things I expose my eyes to. I, I need to reevaluate, is Allahu Akbar really part of all of that stuff? Or is any of that stuff a violation of Allahu Akbar? You know, so I start thinking about that. And so let's connect that to ease. Because that at first, even letting go of those friends, letting go of those habits, letting go of those, those good times, it's not easy. You know, you get accustomed to that. It's, it brings you joy. It gives you some kind of fulfillment. It's your release. But now you have to give that up. What does declaring Allah's greatness have to do with ease? You see... Human beings truly believe, like I said before, when a, when a student chooses not to study, they're choosing ease. But really what they're choosing is difficulty. They just don't realize it, you know? When, when a thief is in a store and he's robbing the cashier, in his mind, he's choosing something easy, easy money. But if that thief doesn't realize that there's a security camera on his face 
and there's a cop waiting outside who didn't turn his lights on, he doesn't realize that what he's doing right now is not guaranteeing ease, is guaranteeing a few months or years of difficulty. Right? So he, in his head, he's choosing ease, but in reality, he's choosing difficulty. With that mindset, Allah says to us with every one of his rules, every one of his commandments, everything that he said is haram for you, he made filthy things haram for you. Things that hurt you, things that harm you, are the things that are haram. Allah does not benefit from you obeying Him. Allah doesn't benefit from me staying away from haram stuff. I'm the one who benefits. I don't see it though, because I want it so bad. I, I get blinded. I don't see that it's actually for my own benefit. Allah says, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُخَفِّفَ عَنْكُمْ وَخُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ ضَعِيفًا Allah intends that He wants to make your, your burden lighter. He wants to make your burden lighter. He knows who He created. And this is where I want to conclude today with. Allah knows, He says, Doesn't He know who He created? Allah knows what temptations you have. Allah knows what laziness you have. Allah knows what tendencies you have, what temperament you have. You know, you would think, oh, my therapist understands me. Allah understands you a lot better than your therapist. You know, you could say, oh, the only one who gets me is me. Nobody really gets me. Well, Allah gets you pretty good. He gets you better than you get yourself. Well, you know, Allah is fully knowledgeable of what goes on inside the chest. There are stuff happening in my subconscious. I don't even know about it. Allah does. Allah knows my conscience and my subconscious better than I do. I can have dreams and wake up and not remember. I, I think I was driving a truck. I don't remember. But Allah knows exactly what you dreamt too. He knows every neuron that's firing inside of my mind. So when he lays out a plan, follow these rules and you will have ease. It's not just from the point of view, oh, oh, this is just Allah wants me to do this, but he doesn't get my situation. No, nobody gets your situation better than him. Nobody understands you better than him. Nobody you know, knows what I need. I don't even know what I need, what is good for me better than he does. Once I let, to, let, you know, let myself go, I'm not, the biggest, I'm not the biggest authority on deciding what's good for me. In fact, the greater authority is Allah. That is another meaning of Allahu Akbar. Allah is in fact greater. He decides. He's going to tell me what is good for me. And when He tells me, I'm going to trust what He's saying. And when I go with that, I'm going to see ease come my way in ways I didn't even imagine. Allah describes this phenomenon. He says, وَمَنْ he says, whoever can be mindful of Allah, whoever decides to protect themselves from making Allah unhappy, Allah will make a way out for them. Whatever feeling, anxiety, constriction, you know, whatever um, you know, unrest they have inside of them, whatever unmet you know, calmness that they don't feel, whatever disturbance a person feels inside of them, Allah says, Allah will make a way out for them. And then what will he do? He'll provide that person from places they couldn't even imagine. They couldn't calculate. They couldn't project. That's where Allah will bring provision from. You know, shaitan comes to us and he says, listen, if you follow Allah's way, you're just going to get deprived, man. You're not going to get to live. You're just, live, live a little. Just enjoy yourself. Why are you being so hard on yourself? Why are you being so strict? Right? So words like strict, hard on yourself. Iblis wants to associate those words with, with Allah's deen. Oh, Islam is strict. Islam is hard. You know, Islam is tough. Those words, when we associate them with our deen, that's a trick of shaitan. What words did Allah associate with our deen? 
lightening of a burden, the opposite. He associated ease. He associated ease with it. The opposite of what Iblis wants us to believe. This is why shaitan Shaitan promises you bankruptcy. Even if somebody was to give charity, shaitan says, are well, you going to give that much? What do you have left? How are you going to pay the electricity bill? How are you going to get gas for the car? You know gas prices are going up, right? Ukraine. How are you going to pay that? You're going to give sadaqah? You stupid? Just think a little bit. But when you're going to go to GameStop or you're going to go on Amazon, the app, and you're about to buy whatever you're going to buy, Shaitan doesn't come to you. Hey, man, electricity bills. Yo, gas prices. Then he's not coming to you. He's like, oh, shop, bro, shop. Shop, April butter. You know? Shaitan promises you bankruptcy. In other words, Shaitan promises you everything that gets you closer to Allah is a deprivation. You're depriving yourself. That's what he promises you. He's really good at convincing you and me of that. This month, because he's tied up, this month, because our souls are getting fed by the word of Allah, this month, because we are training ourselves, we get to lower the volume on Iblis. He's, he's not going to stop his talk. You're never going to put him on mute. That's never going to happen. There's always going to be some something going on. That's this life. You know, he's qareed. He's going to be stuck to you. He's stuck to you until you die. And then when he gets, when you come out on judgment day, then your personal shaitan says, points at you and says, he did it. Allah, he did it. I didn't make him do it. You know, that's his job. But what we can do this month is raise the volume on Allah's words and automatically that will deafen out lower the volume on the effect and the influence that Iblis has on us. That will also make a real manifestation of So you can declare Allah's greatness based on how He guided you. I pray that Allah really brings about ease in our lives and makes the, the worship of Allah, the obedience of Allah, something we find ease in, something we find comfort in. The ultimate goal that I and you should have is that when we go towards obeying Allah, I should feel an ease in my heart. And whenever I'm about to take a step towards disobeying Allah, I should feel difficulty inside my heart. If I can condition myself like that, I'm set. I'm good. You know? And I pray that Allah gives all of us that. That we we develop that and strengthen that and are able to nurture it and, and only make it stronger and stronger as this Ramadan continues and are able to carry that into the rest of our lives. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim. الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على أفضلهم وخاتم النبيين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتاً